if you need 30 minutes to discuss the fit of a person based on your gut feeling, then maybe let's not take this person. Maybe let's go back to the very first beginning of the process and try to objectify what we had agreed upon. My name is Charlotte and I'm the CEO of Equalture, a company that is on a mission to shape the world of unbiased hiring. Welcome to the Oops Unbiased podcast. So my guest for today's episode is Florian. Uh, Florian is uh, the head of talent at Temedica. Um, they are a med tech company based in Germany and they are actually also an Equalture customer. So we started working together, I think almost a year ago, back uh, a year ago now. And it's something that I always found super interesting about the conversations that Florian and I had together is Florian's approach to objectifying hiring criteria and making sure that hiring managers also stick to hiring criteria. So how can you make sure that the things you are looking for in a candidate uh, and also the hard requirements that you set, that those are actually objective and fair and that you also stick to them once your candidates get in. So we are going to talk about it today uh, and I hope you will enjoy this episode. Welcome, Florian. It's uh, great to have you in the podcast. Finally, we spoke about it for a long time already. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Charlotte. It's really nice to be here. Thanks. Hey, could you uh, briefly introduce uh, yourself, uh, the company that you work for and the role that you have within the company? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Flo. I'm the head of talent at Temedica. Um, I joined the Temedica in, in, in March 2020. And what we basically do is we help chronically ill patients to be supported with mobile applications that we produce ourselves. So for example, if you suffer from multiple sclerosis or psoriasis, these applications will help you to get through your daily life and to also provide a, um, a rational and data-driven orientation behind the disease. Cool. Hey, and um, could you describe the main responsibilities uh, that fall into the role that you have? Sure. Um, so basically, as a, as a head of talent here at, at Temedica, I am making sure that the company hires the right talent. <laughs> and to be quite honest, right now is exactly the time to speak about that. Because if we look at the current situations on the market, you really want to make sure that you hire the best fitting talent into your company. So we're trying to make sure from a talent acquisition and employer branding perspective to hire the right talent, to attract the right talent, but also to make sure that the fit between the people we hire and the existing employees is, is so good that in the end, we are thriving towards an environment where everybody can feel welcomed and, uh, and uh, has a nice way of, of working. Yeah, it's an interesting trend to see in the market. I think a very healthy one, by the way, that we companies shift away from just hiring as much as we can to let's hire the right ones for what we actually need. And I think, well, despite the the, the fact, the, the reason, of course, for uh, creating that shift, because recession is, of course, always a bad thing. I think it is very healthy for the talent market that uh, that this is happening. I'm, I'm extremely to, to, to see that the, the way the market shifts right now, because we're speaking about quality over quantity, finally. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we are going to, um, what we're going to talk about today is basically objectifying what to look for in a hire. And I think that when we speak about biases in hiring, oftentimes people are speaking more about the biases that arise once we are looking at a candidate profile. Uh, well, we have 
have had many discussions, of course, uh, together before the before recording this one. But there is obviously a lot of bias before you actually start even posting a job opening. So I think it's interesting to focus on that part of the, the funnel today. Before we dive into that specific topic, what is it about unhir- unbiased hiring that makes you tick? Because it's a topic that you're very passionate about. We've had many discussions uh, about it before. But what makes you so passionate about this topic? I want to create a match between somebody who looks for a job and a company that provides for the perfect setup and scenario for this person. Um, there is a nice metaphor on the market, and, and this is about flowers, where, where you ask yourself, okay, so if you, um, let's say, have um, a flower in your flat and 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 it gets ill, you usually don't throw it away. You change the soil, you change the humidity, you change the way you treat it. And I think this is quite similar to how we should think about people. If, if somebody is not performing well, it is usually the environment. So for me, the biggest motivation, and this now links also to, to, to making sure that we are, we are hiring um, away from biases, is to hire only people that fit to our environment. And this can only be made sure when you objectify the hiring criteria, when you objectify the existing culture, when you objectify the requirements for this job. And quite often, and also quite sadly, to be honest, this is not the case. People usually hire talent for many, many, many biases on the market. And we're going to speak about some of them today. Um, And in the end, you end up with someone you hired because of a personal preference over the company's preferences and the company culture and the team they work in. And this is something I would like to avoid. And this is something I would like to get away from. And and this is why for me, it's quite personal to make sure that we are hiring unbiased. Yeah, Yeah, I fully agree. It's, uh, and we always say here internally, it's oftentimes either when you open up a job, uh, getting a template from Google, which is by default, I think a bad plan, exactly for the reasons that you mentioned, you should also fit into a specific environment or it's it's very much a result of all those different personal biases that creeps in, or I want someone who looked like the one I previously worked with or whatever, but I'm not going to steal your show by the way, because we are going to talk about that now. Hey, so if we, if, we, uh, if we talk about the process of, objectively setting the hiring criteria and to clarify for everyone who's listening hiring criteria is what is it that you should be looking for in a hire uh, for some companies that might be educational requirements uh, what kind of skills are you looking for and is it really needed i think a lot of companies are f- looking for well the sheep with five legs i think that's getting uh, more and more difficult in this market but what would you say are the biggest risks and maybe also there, therefore the, the most prominent biases that keep you from objectifying that, that process of setting those criteria? Yeah, actually, we, we have, uh, when we looked at it, and, and, and here there's plenty of research on the market, uh, quite luckily for us, um, we have figured out that there are biases that are most important for us to address when, when starting to speak with hiring managers about opening a new role. So because... What, what, what usually happens? I mean, a hiring manager de- defines a need or uh, they find themselves in a situation where they need someone for their team. They clarify the budget and then they approach us as a talent acquisition team. And they're like, okay, hey guys, I need a new a new person on my team. And what happened in the past so far was that, well, <laughs> you would then just ask for a job description or you would just create one and, and then post it off your ATS or sometimes not even an ATS and then look for someone on the market and then everything goes its way. But then it's already too late. 
when when you when you want to create a precise job description and when you start to look for the right talent on the market the best fit for that role you need to fight these biases before posting a job and so one one of these biases is is the gender bias so um, a gender bias quite typically stems from our beliefs about gender roles and stereotypes and they are often deeply rooted in our cultures this bias can actually be quite easily avoided in this stage of a hiring process because a we're not asking for preferences here. <laughs> so our hiring managers are not given the choice to say anything about that. And B, we are advertising jobs inclusively by including all types of genders. So here you already can tackle some of these biases that kick into place. Um, but And we're not stopping there. We are also analyzing the requirements given by the hiring managers and run them through, um, through a tool we use to make sure that the wording is neither feminine nor um, male dominant so that we are not addressing um, a specific type of sex or gender by using the wrong words. Um, so Which tool is that? That could be, it could be very interesting, I think, for people that are listening. Um, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to... Uh, <laughs> advertise anything here but uh i can i can give uh, a very short intro into into the tool later on sure sure thing to, yeah, to say a yeah bit more we about can that. also add it to the to the notes of the yeah let's do it uh, that way of the of the episode because i think inclusive language is super important to make sure that indeed you attract the right talent and it, it has a huge impact on gender bias yeah it, it's extremely important and this is yeah. something you can already tackle and fight before even putting out a job description to, to the market yeah. um and later on, one should also consider blind hiring as an option for that. The, the second bias that we need to fight in this stage is, is the affinity bias. So quite unfortunately, um, affinity bias is, is a very common thing in recruitment. So quite often it's resulting in unconscious racism and ageism. And, and this bias can also be avoided by us actively challenging requirements for education. So a hire briefing is, it is designed in a way that we specifically only ask for a certain direction, such as information technology, marketing, sales, etc., but never for a specific study or school education. Um, and I think this is extremely important because research shows little to no correlation between a candidate's performance and, and, and their education. So I, I don't know, what, what, what do you think about that, Charlotte? Uh, well, I couldn't agree more, of course. Uh, I think that edu both education and work experience, I think, are, well, it, it, it has been proven that they have a very low uh, um, predictability of job success. So, yeah, I think there's a lot wrong with, a lot of things go wrong when you focus on education as a screening criterion. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And this is something we, we try to tackle by not only adapting uh, these objective hiring criteria and going away from this in our in our hiring briefing, but also when we when we spoke about career paths, um, salary bands with our with our hiring managers, we also addressed this topic there. So it is quite deeply implemented into the company because what we say is actually, and this is something that is directly correlated to 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 the issue with school education, for example. It is never about the years you spend in, in a certain institution. It is always what you take away from it. So only if someone spent, let's say, I don't know, 20 years in school and then 10 years in, 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 in getting a bachelor's and a master's degree, um, that does not naturally mean that they have also learned a lot. They just spent their time there and luckily maybe fitted into the system at the time to fulfill the requirements for getting a good grade. But 
that does not mean or implement uh, that that this person took away the necessary criteria for our job. Yeah. And this is also the same with with um, experience on the job, by the way. Many companies still put, let's say, I don't know, 10 plus years experience in X, Y, Z um, for a certain criteria. And this is something we, we took away from our hiring briefing as well, because for us, it is not about the amount of time spent in a company. It's about the expertise that people brings to the table. And um, so here we are already back in, in, in how to set up a hiring briefing properly. When you are taking away um, certain parameters and criteria and objectify them by, for example, sending out a coding challenge or a case study later on in the process, you will then make sure that these people get a proper chance to even get there. So if you're asking for someone who spent five years on, on coding, for example, but they only spent three years, you are eliminating that chance of being interviewed. But if you take that out of the job description and then implement it in your recruitment process later on for them to prove their skill set in a coding challenge where it's objectified, where it's rationalized, where it's all about the actual performance instead of our perception of performance, then you will continue with a candidate that might be a great fit for your company. Yeah. Hey, but how do you... Um, because obviously I fully agree with what you're saying, uh, but. I think that a lot of recruitment and talent professionals would 100% agree with what you're saying. But there's always the hiring managers still who have a lot of influence on the process and the requirements. So how do you, it's it's quite a big shift you're trying to also make within Temedica to say, hey, we're shifting away from education. We're shifting away from, you need to have X amount of years of experience in order to get through a qualification. So what did you do with the hiring managers in order to, uh, well, at least make them comfortable enough to see how this works out for them? So this is actually a very interesting question here. And this is something we are currently managing to handle by implementing a proper hiring manager training about these topics in the in the very first weeks of their onboarding. So Whenever we we hire someone uh, as 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 a potential hiring manager or for the leadership team, they are undergoing a specific hiring manager training, mm -hmm. where we are explaining our processes, why we have them in place, and also give ration behind it. So we're not only confronting them with telling them, "Hey, very sorry that you had different experiences in the past, but here we don't check for education." We're also explaining to them why we are doing it, and here. Also, Equalture helps us a lot because we can actually show them proper science, proper research, and also showing them that people who play the games not only are motivated, and this is what we see in the, in the, in the candidate experience uh, reports from Equalture, but candidates who play the games also tend to fulfill the expectations by the hiring managers when they are set as a proper criteria in the very first beginning of the process. So we are actually only using facts and 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 helping them to, to get on board with that. Um, and that, that works quite well, to be honest. Um, so as soon, as soon as they understand why we do it and, and where it gets them, m most of them are on board quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that you did a great job in guiding hiring managers in setting those criteria. But of course, in a lot of companies, we... I also see that with a lot of our customers, uh, usually at the, the, the start of working with our platform, that there's basically everything up until the moment uh, when there's a job description is for the hiring manager and then the recruitment team comes in to 
basically find someone. That's then the main responsibility. Here's my list. And, and now go make mm-hmm. sure that you hire someone ASAP. Mm. Do you think that in a lot of companies, should the hiring manager, to what extent do you think that the hiring manager should actually be so actively involved in in, in everything pre-posting a job? Hmm. Um, so to be quite honest, I think a hiring manager needs to be involved in any stage of the hiring process. So from uh, giving interviews for the employer branding team to put out on social media from uh, supporting the recruiting team and setting up these roles, uh, then understanding where the people come from after they played the games, for example, then helping setting up coding challenges and case studies, and then finally also helping in properly interviewing these people. And then also make sure that they are properly pre-boarded and onboarded. That's a lot, but you are going to be rewarded with a great talent in the end. So th- there is something to look for. Um, but there is something so what else. You're basically, that, what you're basically saying, sorry, is that you, instead of trying to limit the impact of the hiring manager, you should just focus on getting them much more educated in on every step of the hiring process. That is correct. Yes. So we're we're trying to to support them in getting there the the best we can, and this is why a talent acquisition team needs to be. Uh, a team of experts in in the terms of talent acquisition. And here we also come to a very important question when it comes to how do you convince these people in these organizations? And and here I overlooked the parameter that I think I want to highlight right now. It's also about the structure. It's about the importance of a talent acquisition team inside the company. It is about the stage that is set by, let's say, the founders, or the board in these companies. So do you get the stage for explaining that? Um, are you as a talent acquisition team seen as a team of experts, perceived as a team of experts? Um, and if that is the case, then you can take this situation or role of yours um, and also bring everyone on board and then educate them properly, uh, have a proper onboarding with them and 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 guide them along the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that the that way often the the expertise of the of a recruitment team and also HR, by the way, is heavily underestimated. Well, it's uh, in in my opinion, it's the most important team in any company because without a great team, there's never going to be, I think, a great outcome of the company. So I fully agree there. And I think that a very important topic for the recruitment team is also to make sure to standardize the process as much as you can. Uh, I think that. Objectifying the hiring process always starts with standardizing whatever you do. So mm. could you could you for 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 the people who are listening and think, hey, the the that stage of my process, objectifying what we need, uh, I feel that that's also not going well in my company at the moment. Could you walk us through an example of uh, let's say that tomorrow you're going to open up a digital marketer job? Yeah. What are the steps you're taking then? Uh, and to what extent are those steps standardized in the process to make sure that it's op- as objective as possible? Yeah, for sure. Um, to to give everyone a good a good understanding of, of how, how we make sure that everything is properly applied, um, there are actually five different parameters that we need to make sure that are set in the process. So... Like even after applying all of these methods that we spoke earlier about, like when how to tackle the the biases that come up quite quickly in in, in the first steps of a hiring process, um, 
we then at the end still need to ask ourselves uh, and, and make sure that the hiring briefings fits to these parameters, um, that, that, that my role is measurable, um, that the parameters in this role are measurable, uh, that it's based upon ration over emotions, uh, that everything is comparable, that everything is documented and being kept track of. And most importantly, it is implemented in your recruitment process later on. And so, for example, um, if, if we had to set up a job uh, about, let's say, a marketing manager tomorrow, and, and we're trying to tackling biases here as, as, as best as we can, um, when making things measurable, you would always try to uh, find a common scale to agree upon. Like, I don't know, is it, is it is a, either a star rating or a net promoter scale or whatever um, that you are then holding towards your hiring managers and that they need to um, fill out for every role they, they, they would like to open within the company. Then the next thing you would do is you have a certain standardized way of approach for this hiring briefing in general as a structure. Um, here you can set, let's say, must-have criteria, nice-to-have criteria, etc., uh, give examples for these criterias and also maximize the amount of, of, of requirements. So let's say our hiring managers, for example, they're only allowed to put four must-have requirements in a job, no That's matter awesome. which role. And they need to do it the same way all the time. So they need to really focus on the most important parts out there and to really double down on what they already have in their team and what's truly needed. Um, and the same... The same thing we then do for, for cultural fit. So especially for the cognitive and the behavioral assessments that we're then um, assessing with, with Equalture, they're also only allowed to, to, to select from a very specific uh, range of, of parameters in the end um, to make sure it's, it's also comparable. So um, making it measurable, making it comparable. And then, and this is probably also quite important, you need to implement the hiring briefing takeaways, not only in the job description, which you're then advertising, but also into the scorecards that will help you to evaluate a candidate. So um, for example, what we do is we, we implement the objective hiring criterias um, by, by applying the same metrics in our scorecards uh, when evaluating these candidates in interview stages. So we need to be precise, we need to be distinct, um, and connected to what we had agreed upon in our briefings. Um, so we give example questions with potential answers as a guidance. Um, we make our hiring managers rate these candidates on a scale from one to five. This is our case in, in currently. Um, and then we are trying to, with different weightings for skills, background, motivation, etc., to level out these evaluations to a certain degree, um, to have a final rating in the end and then execute on its outcome. And it's always going to be an either or. So it's never going to be a soft decision making. Um, we would always try to come up with a rating that is either positive or negative. And why do we do, th do that? It's, it's quite easy. Um, when you're going away from a rationalized discussion where it's either green or red, where it's either positive or negative, these biases keep kicking back in. So what we experienced quite often before we implemented hiring criteria in the briefing, before we implemented scorecards, we had discussions with our hiring managers where they were like, yeah, but I think it was quite nice. Don't you think? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we, we would want to try to avoid these, these discussions as much as we can. 
um, by bringing them back to what we had agreed on in, in the very first hiring briefing by telling them, hey, you said that this person should be strongly accuracy inclined. You said that this person should have a strong expertise in this field of work. They are not. Let's not move forward. And um, quite obviously, this creates some tension. <laughs> and quite obviously, yeah. there's lots <laughs> of discussions to have. But in the end, as long as you have documented your hiring briefing properly, as long as you have done your job in the very first beginning of the process properly, um, you again have facts to show them. You can again go back and be like, this is what we had agreed on. This, this is what you wanted. And this, way, this is where we now are at. Um, and this is what also helps us when discussing with hiring managers about the best fit for the company. Um, it's all about education, making things tangible, making things precise and, and, and distinct. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like what you, uh, what you mentioned just now, because I think that this is maybe one of the having objective hiring criteria in the first place is crucial. Uh, but if you do have them, then also make sure that you actually stick to it because yeah, if, if eventually someone walks into the room and you shake hands in for, because of all kinds of biases, you, you prefer one candidate over another, uh, and you basically put away your, your hiring briefing, then yeah, there's no there's no use, of course, in objectifying it in the first place. In in the beginning of the year, we had these so-called debrief sessions with hiring managers after interviews, where the recruiter would then have a discussion with the hiring manager for up to 30 minutes if the person was a great fit or not. Um, and when I joined the company, I got rid of that quite quickly because I told them, hey guys, you know what? If you need 30 minutes to discuss the fit of a person based on your gut feeling, then maybe let's not take this person. Maybe let's go back to the very first beginning of the process and try to objectify what we had agreed upon. And um, it, it was a bit irritating for most of them in the beginning <laughs> because it was quite different to what they were used to. Um, because what they were used to was they could discuss so long with the recruiter until it was no longer about facts and then proceed with the person they liked the most to a situation where we are in right now where it's all about facts and we don't care about your gut feeling anymore. Um, yeah. But to be quite honest, the quality of hires has not only increased by, by a heavy amount, um, also the candidate experience has increased by a heavy amount because when we now need to reject someone, we can reject them based on facts. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, that's the most, uh, yeah, exactly. I think that's the most important thing. Like people should never have the feeling that, um, it, it, it's just easy if you have objective insights to say, okay, this is what we agreed upon uh, upfront. And, and so this is also the reason why we continue or not, because it's, it, it's causing so many discussions so often in companies that the candidates get rejected. They have no clue why they got rejected. Sometimes I think the manager doesn't even have a clue on why a candidate is being rejected. So I think, yeah, I definitely agree. Hey, so if I would summarize your, um, basically the main pillars of setting and sticking to objective hiring criteria, and please uh, uh, fill me in where I forgot about something. I think it all starts with education in the first place, making sure that every hiring manager is properly educated on how the hiring process works, but also all the different biases that can creep in before you even start. I think that that's a, that's a very important one. 
making sure that everything that you set as hiring criteria is measurable, comparable, and also limited in terms of hard requirements. And then after the job is live, make sure that you have it uh, documented so that you can just say to the hiring manager, this is what we agreed upon and we're going to stick with that. Uh, so that's the reason to reject or advance, yes or no. Did I then get the main, the main takeaway from today? <laughs> that was absolutely correct. Is there um, anything we didn't touch upon of which you say, hey, this is one tip uh, that you can already start applying tomorrow? Or did, you, did, you, uh, did we tackle all the points that you wanted to mention for today? Uh, it's, it's a very generic tip, to be honest. Make yourself aware that you are humane. Make yourself aware that people have biases. We all, we all of us have them. Um, make yourself aware that they are there. Read a bit about it. It's quite easy to read lots of that about the internet. It's, 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 there's plenty of research on the market about biases. Um, and, and just try to have like the openness to, to fight them sometimes. Try to reflect on that. Try to challenge yourself. Get out of your comfort zone. That's probably tip number one that everybody should apply directly yeah. today. Yeah. You're biased by default and I think objective by choice when it comes to hiring. Uh, so yeah, fully agree on that one. Thanks so much, Florian, for being, uh, for being here today. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. And again, I think it's a highly underestimated part of the hiring funnel. So I'm very happy that, we, um, uh, that we've been able to unpack this specific stage of the funnel. Uh, and obviously, I'm going to probably invite you back on the podcast soon because we uh, have lots of topics to still discuss. Uh, but thanks so much again for being here. For everyone who's listening to the episode, if you have any questions for Florian or for me, but that would probably be Florian, I think, then please feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Uh, we will add Florian also your LinkedIn, I think, to the description of the podcast. Uh, and hope to see you soon. I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much for having me. Cool. Thanks so much for being here. 